Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is from a recent message given by our pastor, Dennis Fountain. We hope this sermon will be an encouragement to you, and we would love to hear how God used it in your life. But there'd be times with all three of our kids, I'd have to kind of help them understand, like, that make-believe character, you, you really aren't them. When you put the Batman mask on, even though you try to lower your voice and talk like him, you're, you're not. <laughs> Kids can all so easily live in a make-believe world. But this morning, I'd like to present uh, a thought that there are a lot of people, there are a lot of followers of Jesus Christ who they too continue living in a make-believe world. Putting priority upon things that really aren't priority. Giving things entrance into their life that are just gonna perish. And so this morning, I wanna, I wanna kinda throw out a call. I wanna throw out a challenge like I would to, to Dennis as, as that two-year-old son. I wanna throw a challenge out to you and to me Hey, let's step back in to reality. Stop living in a make-believe world. Say, Pastor, what are we looking at this morning? Let's go to Matthew chapter 28, and I want to draw our attention to three very familiar verses, and we'll get some truths from this that will hopefully challenge us to come back to the real world. Matthew chapter 28, let's stand together. Just a few verses today. Matthew chapter number 28 and verse number 18, Matthew 28, 18, it says, And Jesus came, and he spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Again, this passage is probably, if you've been in church for any length of time, this passage is very familiar. You, we've, we've preached from it. We've studied it. But today from this passage, I want us to be challenged just with the, the title of Stop Living in a Make-Believe World. Because there's a lot of people, there's a lot of followers of Jesus just living in a make-believe world. And this morning, I would like to call us all back to reality. Let's pray, and then we'll get into the word of God this morning. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, why don't you take just a minute, and just in the quietness of your own heart, would you ask God to speak to you? Just something simple of, God, please speak to me. God, please speak to me. And then would you make a decision, God, as you speak to me, I want to respond to you. I want to listen to you. I want to make a decision. God, help me today to hear from you. Dear Lord, we come before you and thank you for the word of God and how you use it to help us. And Father, I pray this morning that we would recognize that you have a message. You have something for each of us today. And Lord, I, I understand that, um, Father, this is your word. And so I pray that today it would be your words that come across and that you would use me. Father, I pray that you'd speak to my life today, and I pray that you'd help me to step back into reality, Lord, how easy it is to live in a make-believe world. And so, God, I pray that you'd challenge each of us, and Father, we thank you for what you want to do and what you're going to do. And God, I pray uh, 
also today that if there's someone that is here that does not know that heaven is where they would spend eternity, they don't know that they have a relationship with you, I pray that today would be the day they put their faith and their trust completely in you. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for your love. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You go ahead and be seated. As you come to Matthew 28 this morning, this passage takes place, of course, uh, at the tail end of the earthly ministry of Jesus. What, What has transpired leading up to Matthew chapter number 28 would be the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And of course, if you know and you can kind of recall, those of you that, that have studied it, the life and ministry of Christ, you'll remember that Jesus, he, he lived for 33 years and he lived a perfect life and he, he never sinned. He never said a bad word, never had a bad thought. He was God in the flesh. He was God's son given to man uh, for the purpose of dying for the sins of man. And many of you know the story of Jesus giving his life upon the cross. But he told all of the apostles, the followers of his disciples, he told all of them, hey, listen, I'm going to die and I'm going to give my life, but then I'm going to raise myself back up from the dead again. And then after that, I'm going I'm to go up to heaven and I'll be up in heaven for a while. And then eventually I'm going to come back and get you and bring you unto myself. And so the, the disciples, they've been hearing all of these things and now everything's culminating to to uh, what we read in Matthew 28 and in uh, Mark chapter 16, Luke chapter 24, um, in uh, um, uh, John chapter number 21, Acts chapter 1. All of these events are now culminating to this, these couple of weeks where Jesus is going to present to the disciples, his followers, hey, I'm about to leave and I'm leaving with a mission for you. I'm going to leave, but before I go, I'm going to give you a mission. And what Jesus does in Matthew 28 is he gives them really, he gives them instructions about what really matters. And in the passage before us, he is commanding his disciples and enlisting his disciples in their new life mission. And before we look into this passage, we need to have an understanding about a reality that Christ has already brought to the disciples' attention. Over the course of the last few years in the ministry of Jesus, he has brought their attention to this principle, and this is foundational for what he's about to say in Matthew 28. The reality that heaven and hell are real. Heaven and hell exist. There is a heaven, there is a hell, and every single person will spend eternity in one of the two places. Now, now that, that, is, that principle, you say, well, pastor, that's kind of elementary. I mean, we, we all kind of get that. No, that principle is foundation for where you're at in Matthew 28. Because if you don't believe in a heaven or a hell, if you don't believe that Jesus is the Son of God, then Matthew 28 really doesn't matter. But the fact of the matter is, his word is real. God does exist. Heaven is real. And hell is real. I think today, right now, that there's a lot of people, and uh, just kind of by way of, of getting us to this understanding that heaven and hell are real, there's a lot of people who are, are out there that may, may um, call themselves an atheist or an agnostic or, well, I just, I just kind of don't know where I fall, but they'll say, but I believe that there's a devil. Okay, well, if you believe there's a devil, where, where do we learn about the devil from? 
We learn about the devil from the same book that we learn about God from. This world would not know about the devil and his power were it not for the word of God. And so if there is a devil, there has to be a God. So Jesus in Matthew 28, he's approaching the subject he's about to give them with that foundation truth. Heaven and hell are real. Eternity is real. And what Jesus does with the disciples in these next few verses is he wants to help them understand their new reality as followers of Jesus Christ. You see, because as followers of Jesus Christ, and I'm going to get ahead of myself, but as followers of Christ, we live in the make-believe because we live life based upon what is seen rather than what is unseen. And let me just tell you this morning, and we'll wrap, we'll wrap up at the end with this same, same thought, but everything that you and I live for, all the stuff in life, you know, the, the houses and the cars, the, the belongings and the sports and the hobbies and the, uh, the directions that our life take, and, and even if I can say it, the, the whole political environment and the, the left and the right and the conservative and the liberal and all of this, all of this stuff, it's not necessarily sin or wrong in and of itself, but when it becomes what we live for, we're living in a make-believe world because what really matters is not the seen, but the unseen. So Jesus is going to call them back to this reality, this, this purpose, this direction that they now have in their life. Hey, because you're a follower of Jesus and because you get it, because you understand that heaven and hell are real, I want to, Jesus is going to tell them, I want to bring you back to a few principles. Well, what does Jesus bring us back to? Well, first of all, today, he brings them and brings us back. I have no idea what just happened. Robert? I touched it and it went away. Uh, he brings us back to this principle and those disciples back to this principle that he, Jesus, has all power. He has all power. Notice verse number 18 where it says this, Jesus came and he spake unto them saying, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Now what does that phrase, all power, mean? That word power there, it means all capacity, all authority, all permission, and all strength. That's basically what Jesus is saying. Hey, all power, all of the authority and permission and the capacity, all of the strength that anybody could ever know, it belongs to me. Now, I never really thought about Jesus giving this statement until really studying for today's message. Because I've always just thought, well, yeah, all power. I mean, he's God. Yeah, that, I mean, that would matter. But Jesus saying this statement would matter tremendously in the lives of these disciples. And here's why. Authority, authority in that day and age, like it is now, but more so then, authority truly mattered. Um, think about the, uh, um, the Jews. The, the Jews, the Hebrews that Jesus would be speaking to who knew Christ, they could think about the Jewish, the Jewish authority. In that day, the authority of the religious leaders, the Hebrew leaders, uh, was extremely influential. 
As a matter of fact, the influence of the Sanhedrin, uh, it actually scared the Roman rulers at the time. While the Romans were in control, they would always try to pacify the Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin would be uh, a group of men made up of 71 different religious leaders from the Jewish uh, section of of religion. And so uh, these Jewish leaders, they had so much clout and pull with the Jewish people that even the Roman authorities had in their mind, we've got to keep the Sanhedrin appeased. Uh, You can go to scripture, you can go to history, you can go uh, go study out Nero or any of the Caesars for Rome, and you will find out there was always this intimidation of the authority, the influence that the Sanhedrin had. But let's think about then the the Romans. The Romans in that day, they also had a a great authority, right? The Romans were the the known authority in the world. Uh, The Romans had so much authority, the Think about this. The Roman soldiers had so much authority that if they told you to do something and you did not do it, they could, they could jail you on the spot. And some uh, nationalities, they could kill them on the spot if they disobeyed the, the order of the uh, authority of that Roman soldier. And so as Jesus is speaking on this day, now let's put all this kind of into the context of, of what we're looking at. Jesus says to them, to his disciples, hey, listen, All authority belongs to me. All authority is given to me. There is, I I am second to none in authority. Jesus was basically saying on this day that he was the highest authority. You see, Jesus is using this term, speaking of himself, and he's not using it to to speak of some diplomatic authority or religious authority. No, Jesus is saying every strength, capacity, authority, permission, it all belongs to me. Now, why would Jesus give us that? Why would he give them that? Because he's trying to help them understand what I'm about to tell you comes from the highest supreme authority that you could ever get. Can I give us just a quick application from this thought and help us understand that the reality that Jesus gave to them that he has all power, it is still true to this day. If you know Jesus Christ as your savior, then you need to understand that God is saying, even to us to this day, he still has the highest authority. I want to say this morning that a reality that would be healthy for every Christian to live in is that you live and serve a God with the highest authority. We, we don't serve some uh, figment deity, some uh, small God deity. No, we are trusting and we, we are not trusting in, in a make-believe God. We are serving the creator God, the all-powerful God, the all-knowing God, the omniscient God, the, the uh, omnipresent God. Listen, we are serving what Solomon said in 2 Chronicles 6.14 and said, O Lord God of Israel, there is no God like thee in heaven nor in earth which keepeth uh, covenant and showeth mercy unto thy servants. Hey, there is no God like Jehovah God. I think about Isaiah chapter 44 and verse number six. Thus saith the Lord, the King of Israel and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts. I am the first 
and I am the last. And beside me, look at that, there is no God. There, there is no God. I think about Isaiah chapter 9 and verse number 6 when the promise was given unto us, a child is born, unto us a son is given. And, and the government, hey, all governments will be upon his shoulders and, and his name shall be called what? Wonderful, counselor. And look at that third one, the mighty God. The everlasting father, the prince of peace. Hey, can I say it this morning, and I just want us to be reminded that we still serve an all-powerful God. Hey, you, if you know Christ as your savior, you're not trusting somebody who died and stayed dead. No, he's, he said, I lay my life down, and if I lay it down, I will take it up again. And why would he do that? To prove, listen, to prove that he is what? He is God. He's creator God. And I hate to say it this morning, but there's a lot of Christians, hey, there's a lot of Christians that forget that he is God. And we go through life and we allow our, ourselves to get wrapped up in our situations and think that God has forsaken us and that God has given up on where we're at. No, 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 my friend, hey, he is still God and he is still on the throne and there is never a day that, that catches God off, of, off surprise. And there's not a situation, hey, there's not a situation in your life where God goes, oh my goodness, I did not see that one coming. There's not a situation where God pulls his hair out and goes, ah, what am I gonna do? No, he is God. He's the highest authority that there is. Is. And you know what some Christians need to do? We need to dial back into the reality that I still serve the God of gods. I still serve the King of kings. He is the one who has the power to take something broken and to make it new. He is the one who has the power to take something empty and to fill it up, to take something that is useless and make it useful. He has the power to take someone who is lost and, and give them salvation. Paul said it to Timothy this way without controversy. Great is the mystery of godliness. Why? Because God, he was manifest, made known in the flesh, in the person Jesus Christ, Jesus Jesus. Jesus Christ did not, he did not become God. Jesus was not a man who became God. He was God who became man and stayed God. He was the power beyond all power. He, was, he is the, the mighty God of the universe. And this is why we would read a verse like our theme verse of Romans 8, 37, that in all these things, we are more than conquerors, not through you, not because you or me or something special. No, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Hey, you know why you can have victory in your life? Because you serve a powerful God. Hey, Christian, it would be wise of you to step back into reality. Quit living in a make-believe world and letting the devil tell you that he has more power over your life or that this culture can, can, can mold and shape your future. No, 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 my friend. You and I, we serve an all-powerful God. And Jesus brought them back to this truth. I have all power. Hey, that's a good truth this morning. That's a helpful principle this morning. Why? Because every situation that you and I face, we can say, I serve a God who has all power. Man, I serve a God who has all power. He's got this. Man, I serve a God who has all power. He'll answer prayer. Man, I serve a God who has all power. Even if things don't go the way I think they should, I have a God who has all power and he can straighten all this out. I have a God who in his time, he'll take revenge upon that. I have a God who with all his power, he forgives me for all of my sin when I receive him as savior. Hey, Jesus has all power. The second thought Jesus brings them to is this, a reality that you and I and they need to step back into. That is this, that the follower has new purpose. The follower has new purpose. I want you to look with me at verse number 19 and verse number 20. Verse 19 and verse number 20, we read these words. Go ye therefore, now stop. All power is given to me 
And since I have all power, you need to tune in to what, I, what I'm saying. Go ye therefore. The word therefore means because of. Because I have all power, go ye into all nations. Go ye and teach all nations. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. In these verses, Jesus is giving them instructions on what they must do for him and for others. Here's what Christ is saying. Because all power is mine, I am sending you out to go make a difference in this world. And maybe the disciples would be thinking, well, how are we supposed to make a difference? And Jesus tells them, you need to go and make a difference by going in my power. Hey, since all power is given to me, I'm gonna pass that power, that permission along to you. Now, let's tie the authority thought back into this principle. Remember, he's speaking to people who would know about authority and be, uh, know about all of the power and different struggles that would be going on with that. And so they would be thinking, if we go into the world and we begin, like they've already told Jesus, and if we go out and we begin declaring that you are the son of God and you are who you say you are, if we do that, um, we could die. And this is where Jesus steps up and says to them, hey, all power is given unto me. Now I'm giving it to you. Go in my power. Hey, go in my power. You're not going with your own words. You're not going with your own message. No, 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 no. You're going in my power. You're not going with your own authority or the authority of the Sanhedrins or the Romans or anybody. No, this is the highest authority. So first principle, how are we gonna make a difference in the world? Number one, go in my power. Number two, go and reach. Go and reach. Notice the second part of that verse. It says, go ye therefore into all nations and, excuse me, and teach all nations. That word teach right there, it simply means to tell people about Jesus Christ. Reach them with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hey, you now have new purpose. What is our new purpose? Go tell people about Jesus. Go tell anyone and everyone about Christ. Give people an opportunity to trust Jesus as their savior and help them make the same decision that you have made in your life. And Jesus, gives, he, he's given these instructions to the disciples on so many different uh, occasions. And now he's coming to them again and he's saying, hey, go tell people about me. Don't just, don't just go out and do nice things for people. No, 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 that may be good. Go out with my power and tell people who I am. Go out and tell people that they need me. Go out and tell people that they need a Jesus to come into their life. Go out and tell them that they're sinners and that they're on their way to hell without Jesus. But if they would put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, go out and tell them that if they will do that, that they will have eternity in heaven. Go and reach. Go and teach all nations. How do we make a difference? Jesus said it this way, and just stay dialed in. I'll tie it all together here in just a minute. He says, go and, and go in my power. He says to go and reach, but then he also says, go and baptize. Now, what is that? Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. I'll just say it this morning. We need to understand that when a person trusts Jesus Christ as their Savior, listen, ba listen baptism is not a part of, of your salvation. 
That is all throughout the Bible. It's not a part of your salvation. No, 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 no. Baptism just simply identifies us with Jesus Christ. It's, um, I'll say it this way, it's bearing testimony to others that we know Christ. It's identifying with Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. It's like the wedding ring. I use this illustration time and time again. If I take that off this morning, uh, many of you see me do that. Take it off and put it in my pocket when I preach. And I was asked two weeks ago, Pastor, why do you do that? Because one time I was preaching, and I was right about here, and I went like that, and my ring went, and I was like, caught it. I felt like a superhero right at that moment. But where was I? Baptism. If I take this ring off, listen, if I take this ring off, I'm still married. Hannah is still my wife. Thank you, Craig. Now, if I I walk over to my nephew, Mark, here, and I say, Mark, I'm going to give you this ring. What does that ring mean to him? Nothing. If I give it to Leo, does that mean Leo's now married to Hannah? No, that's not what that means. The ring, no, she is my wife. You know what the ring does? It just identifies that we're married. That's what baptism is for those who trust Christ. When we trust Jesus Christ as Savior, we get baptized. Why? We're just identifying with him. It's putting on the wedding ring saying, hey, I belong to Jesus. Hey, I'm unashamed. And so what's Jesus give to the disciples? He tells them, hey, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go out. I want you to reach people. But then I also want you to help them identify with me. Help them understand that now they belong to me and I to them, and now I can work in their life. Help and baptism is that first step to say, God, I recognize that you want to be fully involved in my life. So go and reach, go and baptize. But then that second phrase that says, and teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. <coughs> Excuse me, what is the principle there? The principle here is helping people not stay where they are in Jesus Christ. I said it a few weeks ago, but God desires, once, once a person trusts him as Savior, listen, you, you now have a, a new relationship with God. And a relationship, oh, it's beautiful. A relationship grows, doesn't it? Man, think about those of you that uh, man, I'm married. Think about your parents. Think about kids. Man, one of the, I personally think this, and, and many of you know me, I'm a, um, I'm a lover, not a fighter, right? I'll, I'll give everybody a hug. I, I tell people, Micah Bosworth, last week I preached at Ridgepoint for their one-year anniversary, and thank you for praying for us, but Micah got up, and he is introducing me, and he is like, you know, I'm thankful for pastor, blah, 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 all these, you know, great things or whatever. And then he just had to tell a bunch of lies. And I, I got up later and I was like, I'll pay you for lying. Uh, but, <clears throat> but then he said, he's like, and you know, one thing I love about Pastor Dennis is Pastor Dennis literally loves everybody. And he goes, and I think he was like making fun of me. I don't know. Because then he goes, he just kind of looked at me and he got that little Micah smirk. He looks at me and he was like, I mean, listen. I can't tell you how many times I've heard Pastor Dennis say to everyone, I love you. And I began thinking, and I was like, is that bad? Because I literally tell everybody, man, I love you. I love you. I I want to give you a hug. I love you. And I have no idea where I was going with the illustration. (laughs) 
Give me a second. I got a lot happening in my life this week. Yeah, I don't know. I love people. We'll just stick with that. <coughs> Here's the idea that Jesus, oh, relationship. Ah, oh, thank you. Uh, man, when we, when, we, uh, when we get to know somebody, that's, that's where I was going with it. One of, the, one of the biggest blessings in my life is relationship. Man, I, I truly love people. I love friendship. It's, uh, my wife says, to a fault of mine, it's hard to like unfriend me. Now, you can do it on Facebook, I mean, as much as you want, but uh, I'm still going to see you and give you a hug. Like, I saw people at my dad's service on Friday that, personally, I probably wouldn't like them very much if it was up to me. You know what I did? Give, man, give people a hug. Man, I love you. It's so good to see you. And I mean it. I'm not just saying it. Why? Relationship. Life is too short to go through it lonely. Man, build relationships. But you know what Jesus is saying in this? Help people understand they can build a relationship with God. Oh, oh, not, not salvation, uh, that's that saying. Salvation is the miracle of a moment, but discipleship is the process of a lifetime. Can I, can I rephrase it? Salvation is the miracle of a moment, but relationship is the process of a lifetime. I, I don't want to just be a follower of Jesus. No, 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 no. Jesus said, you're my child. Romans 8, 15, that when we receive Christ, we receive the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Hey, my dad just passed and went to heaven, but I'm so thankful today for the relationship that I had with my earthly father. But even more than that, listen, even more than that, I'm so thankful for the relationship that I have with my heavenly father. That's how you and I make a difference in this world, how we go out and we tell people there's a God who loves them. We help them trust in him. Then we help them get baptized to follow the Lord and to understand that this is the beginning of a, of a new life in Christ and I'm identifying with him. And then we help him understand now, now that you're saved, now that you're a child of God, God wants to, to have a relationship with you and speak into your life and, and you speak to him. He speaks to us through his word. We speak to him through prayer. It's not a religion. It's not a checklist. It's not, well, I better do this or God's going to strike me dead. No, no, no. We love God because he first, what? Because he first loved us. Man, my relationship with God is something that I want to help other people know. And this is what Jesus is saying to the disciples on this day. Hey, now that you're saved, you have new purpose. What is it? Go in my power. Go and tell people who I am. Help them identify with me. And then help them understand I want a relationship with them each and every day. Man, what an exciting mission that he's giving to them. And he didn't just say, go and, <coughs> excuse me, he didn't just say, go and, and just kind of go to your neighbors. No, he said, go and tell all nations, anybody. Well, why would Jesus say that? Because heaven and hell are real and everyone is going to spend eternity somewhere. He says to his disciples on this day, I want to draw you back to a new reality. What's the new reality? The new reality is I have all power. Hey, you serve a God with all power. The new reality is because of his all power, you have a new purpose. What is it? Go and tell people who he is. Help them remember and understand and know that they can have a relationship with God because of Jesus Christ. But then the third reality he draws them back to is this, that he's given his presence. He's given his presence. <clears throat> Can I say this morning that his presence is different than his authority? 
for a long time, I kind of just accompanied these two things. But I'm going to use my kid illustration, and I think it'll connect. If I say to Micah, hey, Micah, I want you to go tell Dennis to clean his room. Say, Dad said, clean your room. Actually, it needs to be the other way around because Dennis's room is always clean. Uh, Micah's is not. Micah's is not. So am I, am I lying? Okay, thank you. Uh, so if I, if I said to Dennis, I said, Dennis, go tell Micah, Dad said, clean your room. Now, Dennis is speaking on the authority of Dad, correct? Hey, hey Dad said. Hey, Dennis, Dad said. There's authority there. But it's different if I say, hey, Dennis, go tell Micah that I said clean his room and I'm gonna go with you. When Dennis goes by himself, authority is there. When Dennis goes with me, authority and presence is there. It removes doubt. It removes discouragement. It removes fear. It removes any any repercussions because if Micah says no, Dennis, who's he really saying no to? Me. Well, Dennis shouldn't be hurt. Why? Dad's right there. It's dad that can go. (laughs) There's a difference. Get it? There's a difference between authority and presence. Notice what Jesus said as he wraps this up. I love it. Lo, hey, stop, process, think about it. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Hey, hey, I'm giving you new purpose. My power, you have my authority, you have my permission, but I will be with you every step of the way. Wow. Now, what a principle. I wish I could do it justice in in preaching it this morning, but basically Jesus is saying, you are not on your own. Hey, I'm with you. You don't need to doubt. You don't need to be in fear. You don't need to be discouraged. Hey, you don't need to be dismayed. As God said to to the children of Israel uh, through many people, be not dismayed. I am thy God. I, I will go with thee, man. Take courage and have heart. Why? Because I am your God. I am not only behind you with my authority, but I am with you in my presence. You see, the Romans, they believed that there was many deities, but Caesar was the highest deity of all. So for a Jew to go out to say that there was only one deity and his name was God, that would bring fear to a Jew. That would be them signing their death warrant. And this is why Jesus said to him, I give you all authority, but I also will go with you. You see, Jesus was saying to them, I'm not asking you to do something that I will not do with you. I'm not asking you to do something that I myself have not already done. No, my power and my presence 
will be with you. At a later date, just a few days later, Jesus would say it this way in Acts 1.8, you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. The Holy Ghost is uh, God, God in spirit. He's going to come upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and all Judea, in Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Jesus said it this way in John 20.21. 20, he said to them again, peace be unto you as my father hath sent me, even so send I you. You see, he was sending them, but he wasn't only sending them. He was going with them. My presence will go with you. Now, I want to do this this morning. You can, you can close your Bible and set it to the side because I just want to tie it all up, put it in a pretty box. might not be that pretty, but we'll put it in a box and we'll, we'll be done. I want to say today that <clears throat> these truths in Matthew 28 they do not only apply to the disciples that were present on that day. No, these truths, these truths apply to every follower of Jesus Christ. Amen. Every single follower of Jesus Christ needs to be reminded of reality. But here's the thought today. There are too many believers that forget about the reality of eternity. You see, we get caught up in our daily lives. Listen, we get caught up going to work and going to school and going to the sports game and going to that event and going to that friend's party and going to that birthday party and going to that service. And we, we get all consumed with, with our business and with our life and with our cars and with our, our, our houses and with our family. We get all consumed. Hey, we get so consumed that we miss what is real. And I hate to say it today, and I, I would not at all be trying to, to uh, push a guilt button on anybody. I'm speaking to, to Dennis Fountain as much as I am anybody else, but I would, I would probably be safe to say that this last week, there were people that you and I crossed paths with that God said, hey, speak to them about me. And we said, no, God, I'll, I'll do that some other day. And we said, well, I've got, I've got this business deal that I've got to get done. I've really got, God, this is so important. God, I've really, hey, you, don't, you don't understand what my priorities are. And here's what God is saying to us today. Hey, you need to step back into reality. Heaven is real and hell is real. And your loved ones and your friends and your coworkers and your neighbors and your children and your grandchildren and your aunt and your uncle and your best friend that you haven't talked to in, in, in a month. I mean, that friend on Facebook, whoever you know, every single person is going to spend eternity somewhere. So what do we do? Step back into reality. Hey, get back into reality. Get back into what is real. What's real? They need Jesus. And if you have Jesus, it's your and my responsibility to help them find Jesus. You see, we go through life. We just go all about our business, don't we? Man, we just go everywhere. And we'll go days. Some will go weeks without ever talking to somebody about Jesus Christ. Oh, we'll, we'll talk about sports. We'll talk about our opinion on the political climate. Man, we'll talk about everything. But we forget the main thing, the main one. Oh, listen, I'm guilty of this. I can't tell you how many times I've left a conversation and the Lord's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, well, God, I really needed to get my point across. No, you didn't. No, you need to get me across. 
Now, does that mean we like walk around everywhere and they're like, hey, you're going to hell, get saved. Hey, you need Jesus. And we wear those billboard signs. No, no, no. No, it doesn't say be a complete moron for Jesus. No, it just simply says, hey, go and teach. You know, one of the best ways to teach people about Jesus, personal relationship and personal conversation. How many conversations does God give us at work, at the lunch, at the, at the cafeteria table? How many conversations does God give us? And we have a great opportunity. And we go, nice weather we're having, huh? And the guy's like, dude, I've worked with you for 27 years, and you're asking me about the weather? Man, you know what people know? People need to know? Hey, man, have I ever, have I ever told you how much God loves you? Yo, pastor, I'm, I'm not an outgoing person. Right, we don't have time to do it, but go study the lives of the, the apostles. Many of them were not outgoing people. But here's what I want to tell you. You're not going with your authority, and you're not going alone. What do I do? I dare you. I dare you. Some of you are like me. You'll take a dare. I've eaten worms. I've eaten ants. My son ate a fish eye literally on the boat right when they pulled out of water because of a dare. He got, he got the same thing. Don't dare me to do anything today when you're leaving, though, please. I dare you this. I dare you this week to say to one person, just one person, hey, have I ever told you how much God loves you? Just one person. Hey, have I ever told you how much God loves you? And they'll say, uh, 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 and they're gonna, most likely they're gonna be like, uh, thank you? And you can just be like, no, seriously. Have I ever told you how much God loves you that he gave his son to die on the cross so you could have eternity in heaven? And you know what? They might, they might do this. Oh, I don't, I don't, speak, I don't speak religion. And you say, I'm not speaking religion. I just want to tell you how much God loves you. Don't get all worked up. If they get mad at you, who cares? Why? You're not doing it alone. You're not doing it with your authority. But you know what might happen? They might say, no, you haven't. And then you go, oh, uh, uh, uh. No, man, listen, just take one of the gospel tracts in the back and say, here's some verses. Let me, let me read these to you. You don't need to have a college degree to tell people about Jesus. You don't need to be a pastor. You don't need to be on church staff. You know who Jesus was talking to? Fishermen, tax collectors, reprobates, sinners. He was talking to people who were like, their lives were a wreck. And yet he said to them, go ye therefore into all the world, teach all nations, baptize them, help them build a relationship. I dare you to do it this week, but here's the last thing and we'll be done. Did you know that Matthew 28 is the reason that we give to missions? Matthew 28 is the reason that Dennis Fountain, ever since I was four years old, my dad taught me to give money to missions. He said, well, pastor, I already tithe. Man, praise the Lord. Praise God. 10%, we should, we should tithe. Matter of fact, if we're not tithing, we're missing out on great blessings from God. 
It's actually funny. In scripture, God like basically says, I dare you to tithe. Like I dare you. Just take me up on my offer. So we give of our tithe, but then above our tithe, we have missions giving. Well, what, what are we doing? Why do we have a missions emphasis? Because I would be, I would be doing our church a disservice if we didn't talk about reaching people with Jesus through any means necessary. Our tithe helps this church reach Moses Lake. Did you know that? Did you know that the tithe helps us pay our staff? You say, well, they should get jobs. I'm just gonna throw this out. If you think the staff of the church don't work, come spend a week with us. I guarantee you this last week, just about everybody on staff who's full-time put in 50 to 60 hours this last week. I guarantee you there's weeks, and this isn't a braggadocious thing. I'm just trying to draw it back to purpose. I guarantee you there's weeks that I've put in 80, 90, 100 hours and just kept going. And again, I'm not like, oh, look at this pastor. Not doing that. Here's what I'm saying. Why would we do that? Because there's lost people in Moses Lake that need Jesus. And I, as a pastor, want to go to Ephesians chapter uh, 3, 4, and 5 and equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And so our giving, it helps the work of the ministry in Moses Lake. Our tithe, our missions says, I care about people in Papua New Guinea. I care about people in restricted access nations. I care about people in India. I care about people in South Korea. I care about people in Vancouver. I care about people in Tempe, Arizona. I care about people in LA. I care about people in Bellevue. I care about people in Seattle. I care about people in Wenatchee. You say, what are all those places? Those are all places that we have little fingerprints because of our missions giving. Why are we giving to Bellevue? Why are we giving to Ridgepoint? Because there's people in in Wenatchee, Washington that they need Jesus just like you did, just like your neighbor does. And what we're doing is we're saying, God, I will partner with you to say, I know $10 a week isn't much. I know $500 a month isn't much. I know 25 cents a week isn't much, but God, I will do something for the cause of the mission of Jesus Christ going out into this world. You see, there are lost people who are going to spend eternity somewhere. You have God's power. You have God's presence. What are you doing? What are you doing to reach the lost? So two questions we end. How, do we, how will we fulfill this commission? That means how are you gonna reach people in your own life, your own sphere of influence? But then how will we be involved in getting the gospel of Jesus Christ to a lost world? A man did a study, I think it was 2018. They estimated that the United States, I think it was that the United States spent $7 billion on pet food. Seven billion dollars, something like that. Might be a million, but it's way up there. And we only spent like a tenth of that on the gospel of Jesus Christ going around the world. Pastor, are you trying to guilt us? No. This is not a guilt thing. This is me challenging you and me Stop living in a make-believe world and step back into reality. People will spend eternity somewhere and you and I have a great opportunity to reach them with Jesus. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope it's been an encouragement to you. And if you'd like any further information about our church, 
we'd like to encourage you to visit mlbc.church.